0: Welcome to Bi-Positive, these are your hosts Mari and MD and today we'll be talking about sexualization, namely sexualizing uh, at an early age that happens kind of in the society we live in, sexualizing of people's bodies, women's bodies, um, trans people's bodies, etc. And what it does to us and what we can do potentially to reduce that. When I was thinking about this topic, the first thing that came to my mind is This, you know, very common thing that happens when you have a kid and like all your relatives come over for some party and stuff. And one of the things that they will ask your child who is like, you know, between the ages of like three and eight or whatever, they're going to be asking them, oh, do you have like a boyfriend yet? Or do you have a girlfriend yet? Oh, I bet you're going to be a heartbreaker. And that makes me cringe Mm -hmm. so hard. Just because like, let kids be kids.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's sexualizing the kids. And it's also generally a term normative.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, besides, besides that glaringly obvious thing when it's like, no, mom, I don't really want a boyfriend slash
1: girlfriend, I want the other one. Um, <laughs> um, oh, so when you're three, you're not in love or attracted to someone because you're a kid. Yeah, but
0: I mean, it's, it's one thing that, like, children don't understand that. It's another thing no. that apparently adults don't get it.
1: Oh, yeah. So it's one thing for them to pretend, play, Play because that's what the, the kid does. A kid plays and um, imitates one what they're saying in their environment. They see couples around them, so they might wanna do the same thing. But it's just play pretend. There's there's nothing more than that because they are kids. I mean, right. Even though you can see early attraction in same like you know towards the same gender, but it's not sexual. So that kind of brings me to this topic
0: that. You know, growing up in Europe, I didn't know about it until someone told me about, um, like, there was this whole thing with the honey boo boo a couple of years ago. Like, it was all over the internet. And then I, like, got into, you know, trying to see where the hell that came from. And apparently, thank God it's not that much a European thing, but it is huge in the U.S. And that's this, I don't know what it's called, like a phenomenon of um, child beauty pageants. Uh, which, to me, sounds completely wild, and uh, you told me that in France those are illegal. Yeah,
1: it, yeah they, are, they were banned a
0: few years ago, which is
1: kind of creepy.
0: I mean, it is kind of creepy, and you see these kids, not even the ones on TV, but if you like, do a quick Google search or a YouTube search, you're going to find videos of kids, girls mostly, um, in beauty pageants even, like, as young as under one year of age, which is crazy, all the way up to the, you know, the age of consent, being 16 or 18, and um, these kids are forced into these these roles of, like, wearing highly sexual clothing, doing their makeup, mm-hmm. having, like, plump lips, stuffing their bras, you know, doing duck face poses, um, having spray tans, All these things that are not just damaging to the child's psyche, which, I mean, surprise, surprise, research shows that it is. But also it's damaging to their health uh, because, you know, you can't just put, like, spray tans on a toddler. You can't make them wear fake teeth, which apparently is also a thing. And yet it's a huge industry and uh, many people profit from it. And um, fun fact, or not so much, apparently was started in the 1920s. Uh, when a hotel owner decided that it might boost tourism if he were to to propose hosting an event like that uh, So it's clearly very driven by capitalism <laughs> it's very driven by this idea that sex sells and it's kind of sickening because the consequences are quite dire These kids do develop insecurities about their bodies. They have greater impulse dysregulation and the research shows that they also have um, greater trust issues than kids who don't participate in these kinds of things. Um, granted, the study was, had a pretty small sample, but still, you know, you can kind of see how that can happen. Oh, yeah. And it, it also kind of contributes to this idea of parents, like, flaunting their children and commodifying them in a way. As in, like, look what my kid can do. I bought this, you know, I bought my six-year-old child a push-up bra. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, yeah, My well, kid is sexy yeah. enough to win a prize. That's yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It it makes me yeah, um think about that uh, speech that um, Natalie Portman had given at the uh, Women's March. I think it was last January when she explained that because when she you know she her first movie she was twelve and when she the movie came out she was thirteen and she was sexualized by people, and the, the world wasn't like that. I remember that movie. I really liked it back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she explained how, she explained in that speech how it made her react yeah. and also hide in a way as a woman. You know, I hide any, anything that could um, be an indication of her, of her being a sexual being. Yes. Um, I mean, she wasn't that deeply hurt, I think, because she was also a, a clever person who managed to um, react uh, consciously to the attack by... Presenting herself as more intellectual, and absolutely as not as not, not as a non-sexual being, which is difficult when you are a, a growing teenager and then a, a young woman, because we are all—I mean, unless we're, you're you're asexual, you're we are all uh, sexual beings—and um, so they, she had to hide entirely that part of herself from the public eye, mm. because the, she felt that the uh, the smallest she would give, like, or just being more herself it would it would uh it would backfire yeah and she she um she she talked, like she thought it was an experience of uh, sexual harassment at at thirteen yeah uh, it's uh and i think i think she's certainly not the only one i i don't know what, what you, your your experience was but i i grew up very fast and i i uh, had a pretty early onset of puberty and i'd like 13, 14, 13, i had a woman's body. Mm. And I wasn't, I didn't realize it, so I was hiding it in a way. But also, I had people thinking I was much older than I was, and it was very disturbing, because yeah. I had no idea yeah. what was going on. I mean, I'd, I had I had the talk, <laughs> but I was nowhere near ready at that age.
0: I mean, my experience growing up in Ukraine, you are kind of bombarded with these images of really pretty women and very sexual women. I remember growing up, there was this... Um, ad in the newspaper that they ran over and over and I saw it almost every day. And it was some like construction work ad for some building materials or whatever. And it was a naked woman in like dungarees with a um, hard hat on and she was wearing nothing else. And so like I grew up staring at that image every single day (laughs) um, for like several years. But I think, you know, I I remember Around maybe sixth grade was when my peers, myself included, the girls in my class started wearing, trying to wear makeup. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. allowed that well, that much in school. But I remember, you know, people wearing lip gloss, and I was, I think I was the first one in my class to buy red lipstick, which I Mm -hmm. mean, by itself is a very sexual thing. Uh, You know, red, red is associated with it, and there was a study uh, in Robert Sapolsky's book, Behave, I believe. Where he you know the, the study found that men see red as a sexual color because you know there's some sort of instinct um, that that sees red as a, a sort of a um, sign for copulation, if you will. I found uh, an article from The economist um it's from two thousand and sixteen, and I'm pretty sure the situation hasn't really changed that much. You know, I was trying to find something about sexualization of men, and we know what happens. It, it happens more now than than it has before, um, and men do experience pressure about you know their body image and such. But in 2014, for example, 8% of male characters were figured in sexualized attire, and 9.1% were shot with some nudity. Meanwhile, for women, it was 27.9% and 21, respectively. It's clear where he, there, there's a huge gender divide when it comes to sexualization, hyper-sexualization. Um, there's a lot of studies, a lot of documentaries, um, one of them being misrepresentation. I remember watching that in my comm class about the sexualization of women and how a lot of things are being sold using women's bodies. I mean, it's not a mystery. I didn't just discover the universe, but it is happening uh, and it's happening more so to women within the LGBT community because, let's face it, uh, we are very interesting and exotic. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> you know, the, there's probably no need to talk about the fact that lesbians in porn are not real lesbians. We can just, you know, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, they're hypersexualized versions of what a man fantasizes a lesbian would be. That's <laughs> a straight man, I, I suppose. Whereas, you know, bisexual women are seen as um, hyper nymphomaniacs
1: <laughs> it's, it's a well-known phenomenon and also there's research to back it up there's this uh, this article about um the attitude towards bisexual men and women it's um it's in the u.s but i think it's uh, probably very true for for a lot of countries and in the end the the sample had a more um uh, more positive attitude towards bisexual women than men and one of the reasons that they would uh, they, they, they explain that gender gap was is, is the sexualization of the bisexual woman. And the, the men in the sample find, find, found them attractive, like be sexually attractive and uh, interesting and, you know, this racism thing. And so they would uh, find, have a more positive attitude toward them than toward the men. Uh,
0: and there was another study. Um, it was a qualitative study with uh, 12 sexual minority women we talked about their thoughts and feelings about sexualization and they have some pretty interesting findings um, first of all that queer women are kind of more aware how about uh, how women are treated in the mainstream media um, also they're aware of the of how, the media compromises women's relationships to their own bodies, but also to other women, and that queer sensibility can contribute to the discourse about sexualization and potentially make things better. So it's it's a very interesting uh, perspective on things. And you know, we've talked about body image issues in one of our previous episodes, uh, and about how lesbian women and and you know, butch sort of butch women have less of a pressure to to be like a, the classical idea of what a female should be because they're aware of, of where these, um, um, these stereotypes come from. They're aware of where this pressure comes from and so they don't feel the need to conform. But on the other hand, and this is probably going to be the favorite part of our favorite part of the episode because we are both hooked on the show, but let's talk about (laughs) pose. Uh, So (laughs) to those who live under a rock. Go watch Pose. It's an FX show that's coming out. Um, Monday is going to be its season finale. It's a show about trans women, um, the trans community and the ballroom community uh, in the 1980s in New York. So basically where a lot of, you know, where RuPaul's drag race came from, if you will. (laughs) Even though RuPaul is uh, a contentious subject. Uh, But anyway, two of the characters in the show are uh, in relationships with cis men. Who are both kind of reluctant to to allow them to have their bottom surgery, uh, even though these women are kind of they, they they want the surgery, they need the surgery.
1: I mean, yeah, um, one of them, clearly, the other it's just that he's also trying to figure out what the hell is going on with him. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. but uh, you know the one of the characters um who is kind of the strongest, kind of the mother of all. The the women portrayed in the on the show, um, she's incredibly strong, incredibly you know fashionable and stylish and everything, and yet she depends on a on a on a man for monetary purposes. The guy just says flat out no to her idea of having bottom surgery, and she wants to be a complete woman. Those are her words, and uh, the guy is very very against it. And so there that brings up this whole issue of trans women being sexualized. For their genitalia, which to a lot of trans people in general is a very painful subject.
1: I mean, the show is very well done because also the the actresses are trans women. Yeah, Um, and and it's and I mean they they've been advised by people really know the 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 topic, even though yeah there might be a couple of things that are a little bit unrealistic, but it's very well done, and you can see that that she's experiencing uh, dysphoria, Uh, but that. The lover he has a it's also some kind of a fetish thing, mm. uh, and uh, he's not okay with her having the surgery. And it's yeah, the sexualization for the other one, the guy, you know, he discovered that her lover she he discovers uh, in college that he has a thing for women, uh, with male genitalia, mm. uh, because of fetishization in a magazine, and he's you know, he, he seeks uh that out and in a made that girl and he actually falls for her but you can see also i mean it's complex because you can see also for the guys how uh those these guys how sexuality can be a complex thing yeah between the attraction and you know the social norms and it's very with that also it's very well done it's yeah kind of like a like a black and white type of thing but also yeah that sexualization and how and and then then the, the other the other character the one which there the one the guy gets figuring himself out she's saying it i don't want I don't want to be uh, just an object to you
0: and you know um the show is very well done and and the actresses clearly know what they're doing because it is kind of their life that they're living. but if we bring this into a larger context, there is a survey um in there was a survey done in two thousand and fifteen on transgender people, and according to that survey nearly forty six percent of trans respondents experience sexual assault which is crazy. The, the the you know the fact that especially in the US the media the right wing media is portraying trans people as predators. You know this is why the bathroom bill started happening because there was this idea that trans women are going to walk in trans uh, trans women are going to walk into a women's bathroom and rape cis women, which is you know all 50 shades of dumb, but that's where it came from when in reality it's exactly the reverse. Because trans people are so fetishized. And I'm sure that um, in a lot of ways, yeah, trans trans men, trans women, non-binary people, intersex people, because Mm -hmm. there is, you know, our society has a fixation on what's in someone's pants. Being trans, for some people, adds this allure of, you know, you look this way, but I want to know what's under your clothing. Which is incredibly disrespectful. It's incredibly harming. It leads to all sorts of ramifications for the person who is suffering the assault. And the reality is that for, for this specific population, the statistics are super high. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, for, to, to a lesser degree for um, uh, women who have sex with women, they are sexualized by, by men um, in the way that, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to fuck you straight. You know what happens? Corrective rape is a reality in a lot of countries in some in in some societies, it's acceptable, and it happens at an early age as well.
1: yeah.
0: what is this fixation? because I mean women's bodies are lovely. Don't get me wrong. but why the fuck are we using them as as you know not just idolizing them but also
1: using them as commodities? patriarchy mm. yeah. And 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 then it's it's all about you know what's different, what's different from me. He's you know it's not really human. Yeah, you feel like something that you know it's it's just the in group out group thing. You don't belong to my group. You're not you're less human. You are less you know you have um I can't recognize you in your uh, specificities in your individuality. Yeah, uh, and so it's kind of okay to just make an object out of you. I'm, I'm, it's a caricature, of course, and simplification, but yeah, it's and one of the mechanisms at stake.
0: The reality, is, you know, it has become a, a survival mechanism for a lot of women because we perpetuate this. You know, in in lots of families, mothers tell their daughters and grandmothers tell their tell their granddaughters that they need to look pretty because that's what's going to make them. Feel wanted and be wanted because the, the you know the, the survival mechanism is that if I'm pretty, some man's gonna pick me up and then I'm gonna be safe.
1: And I think for women, girls, and also boys um, who are um, subjected to that early sexualization and those discourses around how they should look and how their body is basically made for sex, that in the end it prevents uh, the person to develop uh, their sexuality in in their own terms. Yeah. Because if we, I circle back to what we were saying, like, isn't the national nice speech, but also our own experiences. I mean, I'm, if I'm, again, being a little bit on the caricature, but I reacted by hiding myself and erasing my own sexuality. And you played along, in yeah. a way. Uh, in, a, in a way, we weren't, we weren't nurturing our own, um, our own real sexuality. Yeah. And we weren't owning who, who we really are. Uh, and that's and that's that's bad. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, the reality is that our society
0: is sex obsessed. You know, the Western world is very sex obsessed. For some people, th- that's not their reality. You know, if we think about ace people, um, I've read accounts online and um, I've listened to a couple of very interesting talks uh, done by sexual people, where it's just incredible to them how fixated we are on sex and how everything is about sex and so you know pushing someone to to be sexual when they really don't feel like it that can also be very harming I mean I understand this pull towards procreation some people have it some people don't that that's their thing but is it really necessary to to force a eight-year-old child into a tight outfit and make them wear a bikini.
1: No, it's 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 just insane if you really think about it. Mm. And that how, and you pushing, uh, we're pushing on, on everyone in a way like in with a, a, a collective responsibility. Yeah, uh, we're pushing an, an idea of what sex is and sexuality should be on kids, on young people, on teenagers. But the the truth is, no one fits in that specific box. Yeah, not really. Uh, of course when you're queer, when you're bisexual just queer in general, you 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 realize at one point that you really don't fit in that box. Mm. But it's true for most people. It's just a stereotype. it's just a caricature of, of sexuality. In yeah. a very specific type. It's not who what human beings are in all their diversity.
0: Absolutely. And also, you know, kind of going along with that, there's also the the idea of beauty standards being a certain way um, in terms of, you know, skinny, white, blonde uh, kind of thing. Because a lot of, a lot of um, well, especially girls, um, people of color, suffer from those kind of, uh, kind of standards. You know, there's girls, you know, at the age of 11, black girls at the age of 11, thinking that they are fat because they're just naturally built a, a certain way. It's an issue that, that affects not just sexualities, not just genders. It affects race. It affects class. It affects all kind of intersections. And at this point, you know, yes, this is the mainstream media that we consume. It's the mainstream media that is being produced. But it wouldn't be produced if we weren't watching it. And it wouldn't be produced if we weren't
1: give, giving into it. And, and it's something to be very aware of for people who have kids. Yeah. In, in a way, that, talk about about that. And when, when it's just my, my take on it but one of the things is not to make a big deal out of sex mm-hmm. and talk about things, age-appropriate words <laughs> and uh, explanations, but make it okay, it's just part of life and, you're go- and when you and if it's uh, something that you feel later on in your life, you will develop your own understanding of sexuality yeah. be very open with, about that with the kids Without telling them they have to do that or that or that or be that.
0: Yeah. Another thing that kind of made me just, I remembered it and made me cringe. I watched so many American movies as a teenager where, you know, these this couple would be planning to have sex at prom. Like their first time would be like their special time kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, a lot of people probably dreamed about that as teenagers. Having that one first time is going to be so perfect. But in reality, everyone's first sex sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's> just, <Yeah. laughs> it's just, if you say it doesn't suck, you're lying. Um, but you know, it's we are we, we are kind of being served this dream that sex is a, like a final aspiration in a relationship, mm-hmm. and that's what gonna was gonna make you know having sex with a woman is gonna make you a man kind of thing. When in reality, it's not gonna make you a man. What makes you a man is owning up to your shit. I and mean, making making you an adult, actually,
1: mm, yeah, only your shit and and just, I mean, it doesn't have to suck the first time. <laughs> it can be ok. but it and it can be an interesting experience, but generally, it's the okay case when you don't put that much uh, emphasis on it, and yeah. you you know, you can talk about it and you're comfortable with your partner and stuff. And that never happens when you, Thinking it's going to be this amazing thing that's going to happen and that you have to make everything perfect and that it's going to define the rest of your sex life.
0: Oh, yikes. of my first time to find the rest of my sex life. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> anyway, um, does anyone have anything else to contribute to this conversation? Because we've kind of tried to cover a lot of topics that are already way over time. But it's a fascinating topic. If there's any kind of studies or books or movies that you'd like to recommend on the subject, please, please do, because we'd like to share these resources with our listeners. And otherwise, um, have fun. Don't fixate too much on sex. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.